This is Sports Best, where we get rid of the worst and only bring you the best from the world of sports. You are listening fake live and direct from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Larry Olson, best known for once having a hand in poker and won it by playing the Pacheco Nuts. He's Andrew Keller, best known for having made a bet that he would eventually be cast in a Star Wars movie. I promise you, we are not broadcasting live from a, a closet. Okay, on this week's show, Andrew, we are going to have on El Presidente. Donald Trump? No, not Donald Trump. Okay. Uh, the, the American Cornhole Association president, Frank Gears. So I thought I'd give you three terms from the actual cornhole rule book, and you tell me which one of these rules is not an actual rule, one that I made up. All right. So Frank Gears coming on. We're going to do cornhole. Here we go. A gusher. When a single player gets four bags in a hole in a single round, is that true? Yeah, I think uh, I do that every third throw. Okay, that is it. Cow pie. You receive a cow pie one point. Uh-oh. One point for having a beanbag land and stay on the board. That's a cow pie. Are you, is that a question? <laughs> you just tell me. No, I'm wondering if you think I'll that's buy that. I'll buy that a cow pie is you get one point. Correct. That is true. That's an actual cornhole term. What about a calm zizzle when a single player gets four bags in the hole in a single round? Uh, I want Com Zizzle to be right. That sounds like a more fun thing to get. Well, I can't remember what the first one was. It's the same thing. Com Zizzle is the same thing as a gusher when a single player gets four bags in the hole in yeah. a single round. It's the same thing. It, too, is a cornhole turn. All right. <laughs> so it's a trick game. It was a trick game. All right, we're preparing for uh, El Presidente. Frank Gears is going to be on the show a little later today. Andrew, I'm so excited um, that people could go anywhere in the world and listen to us. Yeah, they can go anywhere. The to funnel in to find out more about us, you can go to repostedpodcast.com slash sportsbest, or you can find us at the Believe Podcast Network on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's so great that you can just Believe, find us anywhere. The Believe people have been so good to us, Andrew. So good. They really to have. Us. Um, all right, before we get going, we got to check in with the KBO. We have uh, KBO standings, Korean baseball organization, the only ba- – by the way, they might very well be the only baseball, professional baseball to play in the world because it seems like in America they can't get their act together. So we're going to stay focused on the KBO. The NC Dinos are still atop the league, sitting at 26-11, and 11, Andrew. Your team, the LG Twins, the Colorado Rockies of the KBO, are a couple of games back at 25-13. and 13. My team, the New York Yankees of the uh, – KBO, whew, sorry about that, are at fifth at 21 and 17. That would be, am I the LG Twins? Yes. And by the way, the last place team is the Hanwha Tigers at 9 and 30. I wonder yeah. if the companies like LG or Hanwha or whatever give incentives for, for finishing at a higher place because okay, well, these sponsorship programs work. I have no idea, but so there's the LG Twins, right? But yeah. the, um, there's the team, the Dinos. Like, is there a dino- dinosaur company sponsoring them? I don't understand that. I thought they were the NC Dinos. Yeah, the NC Dinos. Are they? Is, is there a dinosaur team company sponsoring yes, them? There's a dinosaur company. It's okay. uh, they <laughs> took this amber and they extracted <laughs> DNA from it and they made a franchise. They just started. They just started reshooting uh, Jurassic World three. So that's wow. it. The Dinos are sponsored by Jurassic World. I gotta be honest. I don't think I'd want to take a vacation on that island. <laughs> I don't want to go there. All right, so, Andrew, there is theoretically uh, going to be basketball next month. Did you know this? Are you excited about it? I am excited about it, and I've heard some buzzings on – I think we talked last week or the week before about the different rules that might come up. They had a whole proposal. Did they come up with a decision? Oh, you're good. 
you're good. So here's the deal. They're going to be quarantining in Orlando. So they're going to take these 22 basketball teams and put them all in a very private place at Walt Disney World where they can't do anything. They got to like stay in their rooms, but they have some uh, different rules that they've come out with for the 22 teams and the people that are stuck there. Yeah. Um, they're going to have, this is amazing. They're going to have a, people, uh, NBA players wear proximity alarms. <laughs> so so like, basically like it's going to go off if you get too close to somebody? Yeah, like literally a wrist band that will go off if you're within six feet of somebody for five longer than five seconds that that makes me think of either visiting someone in prison or a middle school dance no touching <laughs> no touching i'm sure the nba players like to know that it's like a preschool dance yes yeah um they're gonna have ping pong games there for the players you know during their off times you can only play one v one you cannot have two v two ping pong games that's weak i mean like once again, you're, you're, they're literally banging bodies against each other during a game, and now they can only play 1v1 ping pong? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, I think people are making up rules, and let's see what works. And what NBA does. players cannot bring their pets to the quarantine section in Orlando? What if they have a service animal? What if they have a doctor's note? Yeah, uh, Andrew, I hate to burst your bubble, but if you have a service animal, you probably have not made it to the NBA. Okay. Well, I read one report saying that they're going to have discussions regarding service animals. Oh, okay. Thank you for double checking my read, uh, my <laughs> research here. They're going to have the magic band. I don't, I don't necessarily get these when I go to Disneyland, but I'm sure some people do. Maybe you will, Andrew, at some point. The magic band is like where this wand where it puts everything on your credit card for you. So like if you get a cheeseburger uh, or a Coke, you go up and go boop, and then it just charges you later. So yeah, it's, just a credit, it's a fast credit card. It's a fast credit card. Thank you. Um, and then lastly, you can't spit, touch your mouth guard. It's called the no, disgust no disgusting things rule, literally. And you can't lick your fingers while you're playing basketball. I, I, I mean, that sounds like a great thing, but it makes the, – these guys are like baseball players. They have their routines between each at-bat. Like, I feel like Steph Curry is licking his hands all the time. And I, what's, what's the penalty for doing that? I think it's a really good idea, but I, it doesn't seem practical. They're going to wash your mouth out with soap if you lick your fingers. And I think I'm going to call the NBA and, and say maybe you should amend this and have a no sweating rule because <laughs> they could that take would out be your, safe. They could, take, they could literally have surgery and take all their sweat glands out. Right. So that might be a little bit safer. Um, and then the last thing is this. Um, they're going to have like an anonymous phone number that players can call if they see other players breaking the rule. So like, <laughs> there's going to be like no, no NBA player is going to narc out one of their fellow players. That just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. No, snitches get stitches. <laughs> Again, I guess back to the, the prison rules, stitches get stitches and no, no touching. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. They were trying to recreate home court advantage. So yeah. like the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the NBA and they work really hard to get that record. They're trying to figure out a way to give them an advantage when they're all playing on neutral courts. Well, right. they kind of did this by giving the better teams the best hotel. So the best teams in Orlando are going to be staying at the Grand Destino, Ooh. which is four-star resort. Uh -huh. um, it's, that's the best thing I like about the Grand Destino. It's located in the Animal Kingdom Resort area. So the Lakers, the Raptors, ironically, the Clippers, Celtics, <laughs> Nuggets, the top teams are going to play in the Grand Destino. The worst teams are going to be slain at the Yacht Club, the Blazer Kings and Pelicans. I think worst might be a uh, yeah. subjective term because <laughs> I would be willing to wager I've stayed at some hotels in Orlando that are worse than the Yacht Club. <laughs> oh, like the Motel 6. <laughs> yeah. So these guys are worried about getting COVID, but I don't know if you've seen more and more NFL players are testing positive, like Ezekiel Elliott running back for the Cowboys. He's tested positive. And it seems the, the NFL is more of like this is going to be a way of life. 
right? Like, that's just the way I'm interpreting it. And so training camps are starting in about six weeks, which means coaching staff has six weeks to kind of get things figured out. And for the most part, most players are interchangeable, but then you think about quarterbacks. Like there's, there's not enough quarterbacks to go around just in general. Uh, Bruce Arians is talking about the Tampa Bay Gronkineers and saying that uh, they still, he said, quote, there's so much to learn and still explore with these things. But I thought about keeping a third quarterback on their roster out of the room. So basically they have uh, Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin and Tom Brady. And so he's proposing that whoever's third string is not going to ever practice with those two guys because the NFL is saying, if you test positive, you have to miss at least, at least two weeks. And so potentially that could be two games missed. So they, they do this big trade and get Tom Brady and then potentially miss two games, which could make a big difference in the season. So they're literally going to quarantine one of the players on their team away from everybody else. Yeah, it's a pre-quarantine. Oh, pre-quarantine. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense, and you have to come up with different strategies to be able to work this out. But, like, it could make a massive difference, and they're speculating is a positive test with no symptoms, a negative test. Like, there's going to – people are going to appeal, I I would assume, and then there's going to be – just the mentality of play through the pain in that sport and professional sports. But I think the NFL primarily people are <laughs> going to like not report signs. I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to be a wild way. And I, I think they're going to figure out as they go. Wait a minute. So this third quarterback, what's his name again? Tom Brady. No, he's the top quarterback. Whatever this third quarterback. Oh, name Blaine is. Gabbard or Ryan Griffin. So he, they're, they're really not going to practice with the team. So they're going to be quarantined somewhere. And I like this person's wife going like, are you sure you're on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Because <laughs> I feel like you're home all the time. <laughs> yeah. Presumably they might have quarterback meetings and the third guy zooms into it. Like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, that's one way to do it, I suppose. Yeah. And then the Eagles coach, Doug Peterson, is, is kind of basically saying, to what end am I going to do this? Am I going to do this with my quarterback? I, I should probably do it with my receivers. Should I do it with my left tackle? Like, mm. you don't have enough players to have a N plus one for, for each scenario. Can, the kickers can't be together? No, you got you to separate those kickers. Right? You've got to separate the kickers. From my experience, I'd say kickers and punters are the dirtiest people on the team. <laughs> They're like, a, like the, the, the uh, Doberman pinchers of football. Yeah, Doberman pinchers <laughs> are notoriously dirty. What? So golf, I think, traditionally has had a very stereotypical look. Like, yeah, Byron Nelson was a skinny guy. Jack Nicholas kind of had his look. John Daly was just like a fun guy to think about. Pot belly. And then Tiger Woods started. I think he was one of the more famous ones to start getting jacked. But I don't know if you <laughs> saw Bryson DeChambeau. He, uh, he came back at, uh, at the Colonial. Where was yeah. it? No, at the yeah. um, Charles Schwab tournament and but they played is, on the colonial yeah, yeah he's yoked he's gained uh 40 pounds of muscle and he he looks like a, a football player at this point and i think this is hilarious he was quoted as saying is if i could be like happy gilmore like <laughs> he took his training to be more like the adam sandler character 
and he said like I play golf and then I see working out in the evening as my way of taking care of my aches and pains and so like he's playing golf and working out every day and I think he's taking a more balanced quote balanced approach to his working out like personally I do back and buy chest and try <laughs> that's all I need but he's saying oh if my abs aren't taken care of then I'm sore or I need to get more mobility in my hips and that all makes sense and so he's saying since he's been doing that he's been less stiff in the morning and I mean I think it's great and there's been obvious gains he's he's driving it a lot further right now he's averaging 323.8 yards per drive and that's leading the PGA tour for the uh, average drive distance um, current. So if he, if he, if he keeps it up, he's going to, he's just going to be a monster. I'm trying to read into the story here. So golf's been off for like two months. And so yeah. did he put on like these 40 pounds in the two months and he just unveiled himself as the Hulk after like being in lockdown. So he started working with a trainer about eight months ago and they started working on his mobility and, and figuring stuff out. But in the last couple months, two or three months, they really ramped it up. And so it, it was good timing, but also not being on tour gives them time to get jacked up more. I think you, you're not going to lift as much when you're on tour because you can't play as much. You know, also too, like, right. So we, I mean, he did okay last week. If uh -huh. he does well because he buffed up, does that mean we'll see more buff golfers? Probably. I think so. It's like, well, this guy's doing well. So it makes sense. I think for the longest time in a lot of sports like baseball and this people thought gaining muscle was going to make you more stiff and mess up your, your range of motion. And so people, it, I feel like people are going to tend to emulate whoever's at the top of the game. I don't know if me lifting weights would help my golf game. I think it might. Really? Yeah. Maybe okay. you should, um, up your gambling and start hitting left-handed. I think that definitely could have a revamped version of my game. So I was checking it out though. He, he is doing well. He's on the money leader board put out by the PGA. He's number nine at $2.7 million already. So he's got enough money to afford the uh, eating well and having a trainer and getting huge. Okay. Wait, real quick. Don't look at your screen. How do you spell D Shambo? D Shambo like that. Okay. <laughs> I guess I can't spell it. I actually I would have I would have used an S and I've read it 15 times already. Okay, now you're looking at your screen. I saw yeah. you. I am uh I'm self-proclaimed the worst speller in mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like we should have a spelling bee sometime on the show because I'm one of the worst spellers in the world as well. I was at my brother's house and he wanted to have a Scrabble game with his two kids and I was like I can't play. I will get beaten by everyone and <laughs> I won't do it. I refuse. I don't play Scrabble. You know, well, that's why Siri and uh, the Google Assistant are so beautiful these days. It's wonderful. Yeah, I use it every day. How do you spell supercalifragilistic? Um, Alexa, how do you spell supercalifragilistic? Exactly. Exactly. Supercalifragilistic is spelled. <laughs> Alexa, stop. <laughs> this is great podcasting, Larry. Um, all right. So most of us at some particular point, Andrew, have been playing Gone to the Beach and as young men, we like to go and play a little, little football on the beach, throw around the pigskin, Andrew. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's touch, sometimes it's tackle. Kirk's, by, Kirk's wedding, by the way, we were in Mexico. We had a, one of my favorite all-time uh, beach football games. It was, like, lovely. Oh. Kirk's an engineer. He had a bunch of engineer nerd um, co uh, college friends there. They still want to play tackle football. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll play a game of football at your wedding. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. A lot of wedding references today. 
I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. So it's fun. You're young. It's great. But could you imagine playing on the beach, playing with your buddies, playing football, and then the MVP of the league, Lamar Jackson, shows up. There's this video. He's passing. He's running. You know, general MVPing on the Uh beach. And okay, whatever. But the problem is, he's the MVP of the league. Probably should not be playing a ragtag game of football. And oh, oh, by the way, someone's videotaping it. Yeah. I saw this video. It's crazy. He's right. He moves through sand. I mean, despite the fact that he, it's crazy and he should have been doing it. He moves through sand like I do after a 30 minute warm up <laughs> on a track. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, so the, the kicker of the story is that someone pushes him over a jet ski, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's crazy. The people, the, I don't know. I feel like these contracts have gotten so specific. There's probably a clause about playing beach football I mean Ben Roethlisberger famously crashing his motorcycle without a helmet on and that was in his contract not to do I know a lot of college athletes especially at Colorado are forbidden from skiing I mean playing sand football mess you up well here's the thing right like if me and you go play football on the beach like we don't necessarily know who's gonna win probably you but we don't necessarily know so like we play a game right like what does Lamar Jackson have to prove playing football on the beach with some no guys, you know? I don't know. Also, he's the cover of Madden, right? Yes, yes. I saw this story, and I was like, oh, the Madden curse. He got hurt. Fortunately, he didn't get hurt because he is so athletic. He flew over the jet ski like a like a gazelle. I don't know, like whatever can jump. I just – I like that the conversation he has to have with his coach after the coach sees the video. Like, um, Lamar, can we talk here? Um Maybe you knock it off and not play with your buddies so you don't get run over by a jet ski on the the ground. Yeah. Last week we were talking about the Raiders getting substantial completion on their stadium, and it seems like they're they're one step closer. They did the super flush. What? The super flush is, yeah. They did – they flushed all of their toilets at once. They have a combined 1,430 toilets and urinals, and they flushed them to stress the system to see what would happen. They basically – wanted to make sure that it wouldn't break the system and leave the 65,000 fans stranded. So they did it and they passed. Well, so here's what I understand. When is there going to be a moment when every single toilet is being flushed at the same time when the stadium's like when people are in it? I don't understand that. I don't think there is. I think it's just a stress test to see what happens. Have you heard, though, that the Super Bowl halftime is when the most toilets get flushed in, in, in the world? Really? So I'd heard that for a long time, and I looked it up. Apparently, it's a myth. Rooter Rooter wow. put a, a thing <laughs> out on it, and basically, it it they get a lot, but they wrote the amount of water that is flushed on an average during a halftime Super Bowl is equivalent to seven minutes of water flowing over Niagara Falls. That's a lot of water. It, it, that's is that a, so? Do they make that setup, or that's a real stat? That was something that Roto-Rooter put it on their, like, fact sheet of, like, busting the myth of the Super Bowl. Like, apparently people say that anytime anything goes wrong plumbing-wise during the Super Bowl is because of that. Like, in the 80s, something happened in Salt Lake City. But they're saying that early mornings between 6 and 8 a.m., there's so much more strain on systems with people getting ready than the halftime Super Bowl. Okay, so here's my, my last question about the Super Flush. How, did, they, did they bring in – 10,000 people to like literally all hit the flush button at the same time. Can they electronically flush all the toilets? I like to think that they brought in all the people. Right? 1,430. That's a lot of people. 
but I like I like, like hey everybody uh like where do they go to um they go to the, one of those websites to get those day laborers <laughs> yeah they gotta go to get a thousand task rabbits okay everybody we need you for a minute you just gotta flush your toilet <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean that's a pretty pretty sweet uh, they'd probably use the PA system all right flushing in three <laughs> can you imagine if it failed though and everyone get flooded you have to swim out in the desert uh, I feel like those task rabbit people would have gotten overtime had it flooded yeah. Sweet. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> the American Cornhole Organization, the ACO, is the governing body for the sport of cornhole. Established in 2005, headquarters in the lovely town of Milford, Ohio, the ACO offers Cornell rules, sanctioned products, tournament listings, and comprehensive information about Cornell. And the world championships are coming up in a month. We just so happen to have on the president and CEO of the ACO, Frank Gears. Frank, uh, just real quickly, when, when you walk into a room full of people associated with the game of Cornell, do they have to play the uh, song Hail to the Chief? Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I fly under the radar, brother. I try to be uh, nondescript. Just the cornhole dude shows up, drinks a beer, pitches some bags. Uh, but I try to fly under the radar, my friend. I figured that's how you were going to say this. So you started the ACO in 2005. Did you have a vision from God? How, how did that happen? A vision from God? No, it was a vision from uh, sipping on a cocktail and watching some people at a uh, at a football game, actually playing the game um, at a tailgating event uh, here in Cincinnati. And uh, I was in the marketing business and I thought, man, that is a, that is a great product to put companies' logos on, you know, the boards and the bags. Cause I was always looking for cool, creative ways to, you know, market businesses. And that's actually how I got started. I was I currently at that time uh, had a marketing business and I took the idea back to my buddy that we should start promoting uh, or start selling, you know, boards and bags with logos on them for, uh, for clients. And uh, that's what we did. And uh, when we started doing that, um, I realized that people were taking this game very seriously. And I started uh, looking into the idea of, uh, well, why can't we embrace this backyard tailgating game and actually develop a sport from it? And, you know, the rest is kind of history. I think that's really interesting that you had a marketing background because we're looking at your website. You have some pretty big sponsors, Anheuser-Busch, Red Roof. You guys are on ESPN. You've started your own digital network. Is that something that you thought early on? I feel like marketing guys can plan ahead. How, how did all this unfold? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we definitely uh, thought it early on, and that's exactly you know, where – so when I first got into it, like I said, I started with the product side of things, and actually what I set out to do was – you know, build the best, you know, best boards and best bags on the planet, which, uh, which we did. We, we partnered with a great manufacturer, you know, for our, our boards. I, I went through the process of building prototype after prototype, um, then could not find a factory in Cincinnati to manufacture, you know, the, the boards exactly the way I wanted. And a friend of mine hooked me up with a furniture manufacturer, you know, up in the Minnesota market. Uh, that ended up uh, proceeding to make our uh, what we call our tournament series boards, which became the, the standard to the industry for the next uh, you know, 12, 13 years. And then um, I actually, on the bag front, it was kind of interesting. I had an uh, uncle who was in the upholstery business. Um, and in the early days, you know, we actually you know, filled the bags with corn. You know, traditionally, uh, bags were made with just canvas, uh, canvas material, uh, to, you know, the same material on both sides. Uh, one of our clients early on was Carnival Cruise, and Carnival Cruise came to us 
and had a problem with the bags that we were manufacturing uh, for the boats because they were getting mildewy, the, the rodents were eating them, uh, et cetera. And uh, they, they said, hey, we need to come up with a better bag. So um, I developed the concept of putting a plastic pellet in the side, inside the bags. So that's when the generation of, um, or the first uh, of its kind was a resin filled uh, bag came in to be and how, why it came in to be. And, um, you know, it was funny in the beginning when I did the, the plastic pellets in the bags, all the traditional cornhole players around the country, you know, were, were wondering how and why we were doing that because they were upset because it was called cornhole and it was supposed to be corn filled bags. Well, you know, we just made it better by putting the plastic pellet in there because uh, the plastic pellet became more consistent. It wouldn't mildew. It wouldn't get eaten by the rodents. Uh, the consistency of the bag would stay uh, stay the same, et cetera. But, um, you know, so that's what, what happened with that Carnival Cruise thing there in the bag. And another thing that we did with the bag itself uh, from a sports perspective was, um, you know, we created a two-sided bag. So I was the first to conceive this idea of putting two different fabrics um, on a bag. And the concept there was to have one side be able to slide more uh, and the other side be able to stick more. And as we were developing the concept of the sport of cornhole, um, this was a way that I believe that we could add more strategy to the game where people could play, you know, the blockers um, and stuff uh, like that. So, you know, so it's, it's kind of funny that the sport of cornhole has grown immensely over the last 15 years. And to a large degree, there, there probably isn't anybody involved in the world of cornhole that doesn't have some kind of DNA of the ACOs, you know, in their mix. If they're playing with a, a bag filled, like I said, with the plastic pellets, then that's something that, you know, we started that. If they're playing with a two-sided bag, you know, with different fabric materials, then they're playing with, uh, with something that the ACO started. And a lot of the, the boards in the marketplace now you know, mimic the traditional ACO tournament series boards, you know, that we created 15 years ago. Hey, Frank, so wait a minute. I didn't know there was a strategy to cornhole. I, I got to rethink my <laughs> game completely here. So I've noticed that you get, like we mentioned, you have the world championships coming up next month. I always sort of figure it's like the anarchists and the rebels. People play in front of, um, you know, tailgaters at football games. I see people in the park. What type of person is at the world championships? So uh, people at our world championships are people that want to have fun in life. I mean, these are guys and girls that, um, you know, like the whole tailgate experience, like to hang out with other people, you know, like to eat and drink. Um, you know, a lot of these players do like a nice cold beer, uh, but not everybody <laughs> drinks. Uh, not everybody drinks. I mean, we have plenty of players that, you know, do not, um, you know, do not drink alcohol. But uh, we definitely don't shy away from the DNA of uh of our sport, which is tailgating. I mean, that we know that our background is tailgating, and we don't we don't run from that. We embrace that. So, uh, but it's it, people that come and uh, have fun from all across the, the world. We've had Australians come out to our our world. Oh. Uh, last year, we had a bunch of Germans come out to oh, the, the event. We've had Canadians. Yeah, no, it's I mean, but it's exciting. I tell you what, the Germans, particularly one of the Germans, uh, actually finished well enough to be classified as uh, as an ACO pro. Um, what? So at the world at the world championships, he finished uh, far enough in the tournament uh, to be classified as a pro player. I just yeah. thought for a second you were going to say that uh, one a German finished in the top five, and I was going to lose my mind. So okay. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. They got a long way to go before that happens. So I saw you guys have the uh, the world championships the 15 year world champion or the 15th annual coming up. 
And in that video, you mentioned alcohol. I, one guy is drinking a beer. It's not in the player conduct, but are people drinking during the championships as well? Uh, they are. I mean, they're, they're not <laughs> drinking on the screen necessarily, uh, but they are allowed to uh, step, you know, when they're not pitching or whatever, step back and, uh, you know, sip a cocktail if they'd like. The yeah. only championship where you could drink and play at the same time. I love it. I love that. <laughs> I saw. No, it's good stuff. Last year, our world championships, uh, we partnered with uh, Top Golf um, out there in Las Vegas, and it was a, a phenomenal world championships. Uh, you know, last year. Uh, this year, um, I don't know if you had mentioned, but we're headed to uh, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, for this year's world championships. And the world championships is really cool because it's a week long event where players, uh, again, come in from all over the country and some come in from the uh, international places. You know, with the whole COVID thing going on and stuff like that, I think we're going to lose, you know, some of our international players this year. But we're actually working with a, uh, a group out of uh, Hong Kong, uh, you know, uh, that's coming on board next year to start running and, you know, ranking players uh, for the ACO um, uh, in the Hong Kong market. So, uh, it's exciting what's happening, uh, not just in the country, but, you know, across the world with uh, Cornhole. I love that you guys have so many partnerships. Have you have you looked into having like a, a barbecue championship cook-off that's tied to it? Like just everything tailgating? Do people get the tailgating? That's uh, interesting. We are doing, we have a, I can't unveil the full details of a big event that we're Come working on, on right now, but it happens to be with one of the NASCAR tracks uh, in the country. And uh, we're creating a big tailgating uh, camping excursion with them that hopefully uh, in the next month prior to the world championships, we'll be able to, to announce what we're going to be doing. We're going to take baby steps with it. I think it's going to first take place in October of 2020, but really the, the big one is going to be pushing towards, um, you know, 2021 October, but yeah, we love and do embrace and, and we do get involved with, running uh, tournaments for festivals. Uh, we've got a network of dealers across the country that uh, is about 150 dealers now. And each one of those dealers, uh, they're recognized as uh, certified officials for the ACO. And um, uh, all sorts of cornhole groups carry their own brands and are running their own tournaments in their own market, making their own money you know, with cornhole, maybe selling and making their own boards and bags. Uh, and what we what they do for us is they run our points earning tournaments in their localized markets, and uh, some of them we hook up and hire to help us run our bigger majors. Uh, we hook up and hire to help us run you know activations um, you know for various festivals and things across the country. Frank, so Cornell players aren't like doing push ups. They're not doing crunches. <laughs> uh, some of them are uh we've got a we got a guy by the name of world record ron who uh, is now getting involved with, with the cornhole world and he's trying to set all sorts of uh you know cornhole uh feats for uh the guinness book of world records like longest toss and most bags thrown yada 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 but he also uh has uh he's an athlete where he's been a um uh, kickbox like champion and all sorts of stuff. So we do have uh, cornhole players that, you know, are in shape, but then we also have plenty of us like me that are not so in shape. I saw that you guys have a group of supporters that have ACO tattoos. Is that something that caught you, surprised <laughs> you, or what's the story behind that? Oh, dude, I, 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 it's spectacular. I love it that it's happening, and it's really a cool movement that's going on right now. And the one thing that's neat about our organization, the ACO, is, is we truly are a family. Um, 
you know, we've, because of cornhole and the things that have gone on across the country, you know, I've got friends you know, all over the country now and can show up to their backyard and, you know, again, pitch some cornhole, grill a burger on the, uh, uh, grill a burger and drink a beer with them and have fun and just chit and chat about life. But that's, that's what it's all about. But these, these uh, lifers that we call them right now, uh, it was all started by a young lady by the name of uh, Tracy, Tracy Gregory, um, or Teresa Gregory, I'm sorry, Tracy's her husband. Teresa Gregory was the first one that did it. And she actually came up to me in Owensboro, I think it was at the world championships when we were there. And she said, Hey, would it be okay if I put a tattoo on my foot? And I believe it's her right foot for my other son who just turned pro this year, but is an avid cornhole player and loves the ACO. Would you be okay with that? And I said, well, hell yeah, I'd be okay with that. If you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. So then after she decided to do that, a good buddy of mine by the name of William Howe out of the West coast decided he wanted to get a tattoo. So they did it pretty close to the same time. He did a tattoo on his forearm. She did a tattoo on her foot. Well, right after they got those two tattoos, we made them lifetime members of American cornhole and uh, you know, took some cool pictures of them and talked about them a little bit. But then we decided to um, you know, you know, put them on our website and offer it up to anybody else that wanted to get a tattoo that they could become lifetime members of, of American Cornhole. And uh, in the last, I guess, uh, five months, we've had six or seven new uh, candidates go out there. And the, the cool thing is right now we have uh, nine current lifetime members that all are sporting an ACO tattoo but they're uh, representing, I think it's seven different states from Wyoming to California to Ohio to Kentucky. So um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty impressive. And no, I did not expect it at all, but I'm excited. I think there's a posse of like six to seven girls that are, are planning on getting tattoos before the world championships. So we might have 15 to 16 lifers before the world's this year. All right, Frank, before we get you on out of here, some quick questions. All you have to say, um, should you or should you not when uh, associated with cornhole, all right? So, yes, you should, or no, you should. Okay, should you play cornhole with a cocktail or a beer in your hand? Absolutely, yes. Okay, should you play cornhole inside? Yes. Really? Now, okay, what if someone's got low ceilings? <laughs> well, then you go outside. So, uh, the, yeah, that's why I said yes and not absolutely yes, because cornhole is both indoor and outdoor. So, okay. that's why I had to say yes, though. Okay, should you play cornhole with someone from Austria? <laughs> I don't know anybody from Austria, so but I'm going to say they can't be bad, so let's say yes. Okay, my last one, and I'm going to just tell you the answer is you shouldn't. You should never just Google the word cornhole. I did that today, <laughs> and that's you a bad shouldn't. idea. <laughs> you, no, today, you shouldn't. I, I have a funny story, though. When I first started cornhole, Yes, uh, when you Googled cornhole, some bad shit came up. <laughs> uh, but, but today, 15 years later, when you Google cornhole, the word has changed in meaning. So uh, it's safe to Google cornhole these days. I'd like to submit one more to this game. Should you make a calendar of the bodies of the top cornhole players? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> there's no comment <laughs> oh that's awesome frank gears frank gears is the president ceo of the aco the american cornhole organization if you would like to go buy some great cornhole gear you can go to americancornhole.com frank we would play hail to the chief if we had the uh, audio capacity to do so thank you so much for coming on today larry and andrew thank you guys very much i appreciate you guys inviting me to the show